This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Inlui Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon. Joined by the one, the only, the Bayou Benders. And this is Habs Nightly, season two, baby. I'm fine, dude. Not going to lie. Uh, it's really awesome to have that season two title added to it. Uh, I'm just excited, dude. You know, uh, as excited as you can be with not a lot of hockey talk, you know, out there in the world. But it's season two, dude. So it's another year with you. It's another year with uh, this amazing group that we all kind of just form together and just walk in the path. So, you know, this is a big day. Who would have thought we'd last this long, eh, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you came in, you you were on one show. I I, I kind of rode the the bench and then was moved around, and so yeah, yeah. I didn't think I was gonna last this long. You you you're sharp, you know. I kind of was a journeyman for a bit. Um, but it's pretty awesome because I guess uh, before we get into it, the day we decided to uh, that you know the new this new thing is happening. This new season is the day of the famous Patrick Watry, which I believe is now 25 years old. 25 years. Dude, that is insane. 25 years of pain. Yeah, truthfully, uh, it's, it's a curse, you know? Uh, well, we, we, I don't think like, okay, let's talk about this trip. And let's discuss it. Obviously, this trade about into the fucking ground by Montreal media, NHL media, just anyone who enjoys hockey. It's been talked into the ground enough. And we don't need to tell you guys that it's a shit trade, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> but we're going to talk about the impact of it because 25 years later, it's this trade didn't just impact the Montreal Canadiens or the Colorado Avalanche. This trade 
impacted the NHL as a whole. Like, imagine if this this is one of the biggest deals to ever happen. So just crazy to think that 25 years later, we're still feeling the effects of this trade. Yeah, and uh, I mean, truthfully, I think this is one of those trades, like you said, it's like one of the biggest in the league ever. Uh, this put a brand new team like right on the map and started truthfully one of the best rivalries of of like modern day NHL, you know, uh, with Patrick Waugh and Colorado versus uh, Detroit. So like, you know, even though he, it's more than just Patrick Waugh, but like this trade kind of sparks a fuel for a young gun Colorado team to be on top. Like it, it's like, you know, the nineties era version of Vegas, you know? So if you're young, you can see like some, some similarities, but you know, to just know that Patrick Waugh gets absolutely shafted. And I believe it's against Detroit. It was against Detroit. And you have to wonder if that's even maybe where some of it started. Right. Because you, you, he's not only mad to not be removed, right? This dude's got – I mean, he. I wouldn't say that he's just cocky. Patrick he's Waugh cocky. Knew, okay. He's cocky. Like, I think he's cocky, but I wouldn't say it, like, truly stemmed from that. Like, the dude just knew he was really good at the game. And, like, come on, this is this is basic. You're having a, an, a bad night. You don't just leave him in there, right? He gets left in there. He gets fucked over, and his pride is is distraught. It's ruined, and he's done, you know, and that's the last time we'll ever see Patrick Waugh in a Canadian uniform. He storms out, and then he brings that energy over to Colorado, who's just already got a pretty stacked team just looking for a goalie. And, like, one of the worst fleeces trade history. Like, Oh, yeah, like I said, we don't, <laughs> we don't need to talk about how bad it was for Montreal because we – you know, we understand that. But I do think it's funny you bring up that game because you almost wonder if that was a sign of what was to come for Detroit. You know, not only like that was pretty early on in the season, I believe it was like 20, 20 games in or something. And that Detroit team, you know, obviously they had a ton of pieces, but they were still kind of coming together like that Avs team. And if anything, I think it was just, you know, what was it? Nine goals they put past Patrick Wall, 11 in the game. It was just a, a showing of what was to come. As you know, Detroit absolutely dominant that season, especially they won the President's Trophy with 131 points. Uh, the next most points in the NHL were scored by the Avs that year with 104. Like, Detroit fucking killed it that year. Not only did it get the Avs Cup that year, but also I think started fuel fueled one of the greatest rivalries in in the recent NHL history. I mean, and it's crazy because we just we just re looked at the trade right, and I completely forgot Mike Keenan goes to the Avs with Patrick Waugh. Yeah, and he's not a um a superstar by any means, but he contributed like. <laughs> He put away how many how many points did he like he was a consistent like at least in Montreal like 60 50 kind of 50 point guy hovered around that mark put away 20 with the abs in the playoffs put away five put away four like he contributed he wasn't an you know a star player by any means but when you compare it to what Montreal got back like 
Kovalenko played, I think, three seasons with Montreal. Didn't really contribute much. Much his best season with Montreal, or his best season after the Habs was actually with Edmonton, where he scored fifty nine points. Wasn't even with Montreal. Um, Martin Rusinski was in that trade as well. Um, I mean, like, I don't think, like, you can't be upset with what he did. His first season in Montreal, he put up 60 points in 56 games. Not bad at all. Produced consistently with for 50 points for a long time, like four or five seasons with Montreal. But when you compare, if that's the best you've got, because Jocelyn Thibault, without just, you know, that didn't work out. When you compare that to the loss of Patrick Waugh, it just oh, it's just awful. It's just one of the worst trades in NHL history. Well, what's crazy about it is that I mean, this is such a fucking boss move, right? You just know what you, you know your value, you know your worth. You've just been fucked over in your mind by a team, and everybody saw it. You know, this is not something that Patrick Waugh would ever stand for. What's he do? He fucking leaves. And demands a trade. So it's like, he's Patrick Waugh, though. So any team would, I would think, would be wanting to pick up someone like this, right? And he just floats over to Colorado. And, I mean, like, if a team doesn't want him, like, imagine how difficult that is as management. This You fuck this kid over, and he does want, he doesn't want anything to do with you. You know, your savior in the 93 Cup. He just stood on his head, did everything right, took a team that really wasn't the best team. They just kind of got together, and it worked out, and it really truthfully became behind Patrick Waugh. That was the year of 10 overtimes, right? Or was that? I believe so. I, I can't remember. If the, I think off it was 90. Yeah, I was about to say, off overtimes. the top of my head, it's kind of I'm kind of drawing a blank. But Patrick Waugh. By the way, he did that up with money. Right. 10 straight overtime wins. This dude <laughs> like this dude go, goes down as one of the greatest goalies in NHL history. One of the, you know, like and most of them are are fucking Canadians goalies, so it's like it was just destined for him to play with us. But then we do him so dirty in one game, he changes the the whole momentum of Montreal and goes and creates a winning atmosphere in a central division, you know, team. I believe they were in the Pacific actually back then. Oh shit! Okay, well, either yeah. Remember, like, remember the division. Yeah, this, were all this is a- <laughs> Detroit was in the West. Detroit won the uh, Central That's Division. Crazy to be in the West. Yes, yeah, Colorado won the Pacific. Jesus. Um, I think Montreal was in the. I think it was the Atlantic, but I think it was the Northeast. That that was what the Metropolitan was. It was just, it was different. Well, anyway, um. Just think of like how much of a boss move it is to know you're worth that much and be like, look, I'm not going to play anymore. Any team that wants to pick me up, I'm going to go. And I'm, I'm going to go fucking do it over there, right? Like you you get payback on Detroit and you have one of the greatest rivalries since Boston and, and Montreal. And then you just drilling it into all the Montreal, like the upper management to just win, you know, to win in Colorado and have one of the, the dirtiest teams of fucking of NHL. I mean, dude, he, the team that Colorado just kind of fell into their lap, you know, like it's just crazy. And to think it was just because 
they they re- refused to to take him out of net. Well, when you say they, it was Mario Chamblay. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Just. <laughs> Uh, we like uh, yeah, we don't even need to like get into that. everyone knows the story but i think what the story that doesn't get told is just how much it shaped the nhl because if colorado wasn't there like it, if you really think if patrick was stays in montreal we probably montreal makes the playoffs they made it anyway without him they probably finish at a higher seed they probably don't win the cup still, to be fair. Like, they're probably not winning the cup with Patrick Waugh that year. But there's no way in hell the Avs are beating Detroit without Patrick Waugh. Joe Sackick won MVP the first cup, but there's no way in hell that they're beating Detroit in 96 with Jocelyn Thibault. So the whole landscape of the NHL looks much different. You're going to have that dynasty in Detroit looking even better because they probably, like, realistically... Florida, who Colorado played in the final, is not beating. <laughs> They're not beating the 96 Detroit team. The Avs swept them. So the entire landscape of the NHL changes with just with the move of one player, in which in leagues like the NBA, that happens you know quite frequently. One player like LeBron just comes in and makes 10 straight finals. Whatever team he's on makes the finals, right? Hockey's not that way. Rarely do we ever see one player make such an impact the way that Patrick Waugh just... Like, Gretzky didn't even change the NHL landscape that much when he went to L.A. Well, I feel like uh, I was actually going to kind of compare it to that. Like, Gretzky helped build the game, you know, in the West, whereas, you know, I'm not saying Colorado wasn't, wasn't you know, a, a great spot for hockey, but it's like for a new team to come down, you know, the, the Nordiques moved down to Colorado. Patrick Waugh, along with Sackick, they all created a new <clears> – excuse me. They all created a new atmosphere for a brand-new team and I think really brought a surgence to the, you know, West. And truthfully, it probably trickled down into the South with Florida, you know, coming around, around the same time as well. I just think that he helped form – like Gretzky did in the West, he helped form that in the East and in some of the South as well. I mean, I think you're totally right. Like to relocate the team and then win your first year, that's just crazy. And realistically, it's just crazy how many minute little details go into this trade. Because if Colorado's still in Quebec, I don't care what like how little you're getting because in reality every team knew wall wanted out they weren't going to get much for him i don't care if any team other teams are offering pennies on the dollars and the nordique are offering you five first round picks montreal is not trading patrick watt to quebec mm-hmm. <laughs> like that rival there's no way if the team was still in quebec patrick Wall would have went there right so and I feel like they, they, they took it as like a dump off, like, cause you know, like that clock is ticking. Like this dude refuses to play for your team. You need to make the move as fast as you can. And yeah, they think they're just got- going to dump them off on a team. That's just like, like it almost feels like, okay, you don't want to play for us. We're going to, we're going to send you where the defunct, you know, Nordiques are going. So good luck. Like it, it, it's just like the rivalry we had with the Nordiques, because the Nordiques with with Dale Hunter were really 
devastating to to the Canadians, you know, in our runs. It's almost as if they tried to play him like, okay, well, you're going to go down here. Good luck. Good luck with that team. And this team was fucking like uh, 50 games away from from turning into like, you know, one of the best one of the best cultivated teams in NHL history. I don't even know if it was like a fuck you. I think my point like you might be right. My point was just simply that that team does not acquire Patrick Waugh and doesn't win a cup if they're still in Quebec. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you're not going to send them to a team that is known as a Habs killer. You know, you like, wouldn't, it's like, it'd be like if you sent Carey Price to Boston. <laughs> you're not fucking sending Price to Boston. No. No. I can't. I don't even want to think about that. I'm just know? waiting for Twitter to a Twitter notification. Mark Bergevin sends Carey Price. Well, he's Boston. he's got the fucking balls to do it. So, you I know, don't think, it, I don't think even Bergy has the balls to send Price to fucking Boston. I don't know, dude. I I, I beg to differ. I mean, but, why would Boston want him though? Either. <laughs> like, that's true. Realistically, I think they're doing just fine with uh, Tuca getting paid. What almost half. Yeah, I, I think to, as a collective, they're getting paid pretty much a little bit over uh, Carey Price's contract. Just fucking ridiculous. But yeah, so, I mean, Patrick Waugh was already like kind of shaping the, you know, that modern, the modern NHL of its time with, you know, like he was like coming in, like it was it was the new era of the butterfly for goal well, he invented it really. yeah like he's he's like the the forerunner for it i don't know dude like i just don't see why we would do something so stupid to a guy who's literally like at his time the wayne gretzky of goalie he's creating a new thing that no one's seen no one knows how to play against it and he's standing on his head and he's you know he's taking teams that shouldn't go anywhere to the fucking to the glory you know well, he's the greatest goalie to ever play the game. I think that's like say Hashik if you want. I like Hashik. I in, always go with Patrick Waugh. And it's not just because he played for Montreal. This dude was just hands down fucking amazing. Well, and yes, and in my opinion, if you have to flop around the way Dominic Hashik did, and don't get me Dominic Hashik is one of the top three goalies of all time. I'm not shitting on Dominic Hashik. If you have to flop around like that, though, it's probably because your positioning isn't the greatest. Patrick Wong and Carey Price are very similar goalies because, yes, they can make flashy saves, but a lot of them, they're just, they make them look easy because they're always in the right spot. And I just think that that's just, I value that more. You know, if you're always in the right spot, it's a lot harder to put the puck behind you. Hashik was probably one of the only ones who could flop around and still be a top three goalie of all time. Like, I'm not disrespecting him. I think he's a top three goalie of all time. The other one, a lot of people are, will say Martin Broder, right? Yeah. Well, Mar- I mean, Marty Broder, phenomenal goalie. I'd make the case top four, top five all time. But he also played in the era of the dead puck with the one of the greatest trap teams ever with Scott Niedemeyer and Scott Stevens. Tell name name a time Dominic Hasek or Patrick Waugh played with in a situation like that. Like he 
he put up those records and he made, you know, he changed the game with puck moving, but in the trapezoid, but to say Marty Broder didn't have like the greatest situation any goalie could ask for is just, you know, kind of being blind. I think like that guy had anything you could want. I think you also, uh, <laughs> I think Martin Brodeur, you can't go without saying that Larry Robinson is the coach for that team. <laughs> So I forgot about that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know, just being a Habs and Larry Robinson's one of my favorite former, you know, like OG Hab players. Um, they just had a presence, right? So like, it just, I don't know. It's kind of like um, how they say about uh, what's his name? Uh, Babcock with, with just getting with, you know, you know, given the Detroit, you know, the Detroit team in the 90s, you know, like he had a amazing team and was just given the chance to win and, you know, See, just the rode their success. Mike Babcock's just a shitty coach who got lucky. <laughs> Marty Broder is top four, top five goalie of all time. Well, no, absolutely. I just think that he comes in to a, to a system, like you're saying. Yeah. It's a dead big. zone. He's got two of the scariest fucking guys on the back end, and then he's being coached by one of the greatest defensemen to ever play the game. Yeah, and in like you said, the dead puck era, scoring was at an all-time low when he was in his prime. And he <laughs> he played with Scott Stevens, who enough said like if you don't know who scott stevens is they ruined was, fucking paul like, korea like my fucking favorite player as a kid ruined he ruined a lot of players careers and scott niedermeyer is one of the great like they're both two of the greatest defensemen to ever play the game niedermeyer would like the would they say niedermeyer would finish a game where he'd play 35 minutes and not be sweating at the end of it like he he this guy trained in the mountains in his career he was just like Jesus. Marty Broder got lucky. He yeah, was a he just, phenomenal goalie, but he doesn't touch Patrick Waugh. I just think that in in that is that yeah, like you're saying, Martin Brodeur was brought into a system that was ready, and Patrick Raw, Patrick Waugh came into systems and created that chance to be ready. Yeah, Patrick Waugh, like you said, dragged the '93 team. Marty Broder never dragged the team. As no. amazing and, as and he I mean, was, I think he could have if needed, but he didn't have to. Whereas no. Patrick Waugh came in, and I and I think what makes Colorado even crazier is that you make a trade to Colorado, and you know just the names on that fucking team, like they were just missing a core piece, and you basically give there, them. Yeah. They get you give them the brand new Porsche, you know, like you give them like whatever young, valuable these young guys could understand. Like you just gave them the key to the house. And this dude's just coming in, like, hey, let's let's fucking go. Like, I know how to win. <laughs> I can help us win. And well, you inserted the greatest goalie to ever play the game onto a team that had Adam Foote, Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick. Um, I think Claude Lemieux was already on that team. You had Chris Simon. Um, God, who else did they have on that team? They had a bunch of guys. 
Um, I think Mike Ritchie was on that team. Like it was just an absolutely stacked team with a, I think I named like how many, how many hall of famers did I just name there? At least, at least fucking four. Um, Let's see. There were two, there were two hundred point men on that team. Yeah. Mike Ritchie, uh, Ritchie was on the team at that time. He was. Yeah. Uh, We already mentioned uh, Mike Keenan fucking, let's see. Uh, Olin Owen Nolan was on the fucking team. Yeah, it was it was just an absolutely stacked team, and like you said, they just needed one piece. Oh, fuck, dude. That I don't know, dude. It's just like I don't say that's like a lot of people consider that like a, a curse or like that was the downfall of, of the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, granted, we haven't we've done shit since then, but it's like. It's like giving Carey Price away, you know, and expecting us to to be like, yeah, that's fine. But I think that at the same time, it's like it makes us appreciate how, how good Carey Price is because we're not going to sit there and keep him in there and fucking allow this to happen again. Like, I feel like maybe maybe we've we've babied Carey Price in every way we possibly could to not allow – a fucking Patrick Waugh situation again. Even then, though, the fans haven't really learned. Like, you still get the Bronx cheers occasionally. And I remember that what it was like a few seasons, that really bad year. I can't remember. I honestly, the, the one we, uh, I think it was the year leading into the Cockney draft, and they were cheering when Price, every time Price, like, made a save or something. Well, yeah, that's what they did to fucking Patrick Waugh. Like, yeah, how, how embarrassing just, is that? I just remember my father going, not again. <laughs> he just fucking <laughs> said, not again. Like, Man, I wish I was just like a little bit older when this happened because I was, let's see, I, I had to be, I was four years old when he got traded. So it's like, I wish I could have really just had been a kid, like more cognizant during the Patrick Raw trade. Um. Cause I don't remember him in Colorado. He won the cup right after I was born. So, um, I mean, in, in Montreal, but yeah, I would be, I would be afraid too. If my team starts fucking booing my fucking superstar, yeah, my superstar. And then I'm getting PTSD, you know, knowing damn well, I know what could happen. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's definitely a dark day in history. And I just, but like, I think it's actually looking back because I didn't have any emotional connection to Patrick Waugh in Montreal. It's just an interesting trade to look at because it just shaped the NHL in so many different ways. I love the fact that this dude was just an overall athlete. Like he was, like you said, like I, I, I still wouldn't call him cocky. I just think it's more of a boss attitude. Like this dude would fucking chuck him. Like he didn't care. Like he could, no, like, Patrick Wall's an asshole. I think like <laughs> it's fair to say he's an <laughs> asshole. I just think this dude was just an all-around, just a fucking hockey guy. Like, I feel like he excelled as a goalie, but could have definitely been like any other position growing up. I think you have to be cocky to be a goalie, or you'd never succeed. But I think truthfully, he's gotta come down as one of the cockiest goalies, period. Like, like, dude, cool. imagine. To have the balls to just straight up walk away from, you know, 
one of the biggest franchises in the league and fucking any league turn around, win the cup, fucking fuck you right to your face. And this dude also doesn't mind fucking chucking him. Like, well, I mean, you're talking about a guy who famously let in a goal by holding it, holding up the puck to, you know, be a dick. Like, but I don't, I think you could easily, it's, it's cockiness. Like, <laughs> All right. So if, if this doesn't happen, do you think that Patrick Waugh could have successfully driven us back to another Stanley Cup if he had stayed with us? Like with, I mean, with that current team? Not with that team. No, I don't think so. I think if Montreal had I don't I truthfully don't think they would have won another um another cup with him simply because that management allowed Mario Tremblay to drive Patrick Waugh out of Montreal. They hired him. They a lot like you're gonna tell me Patrick Waugh didn't have some sort of fucking complaint to the general manager, the owner before. He's a pretty well, vocal. Well, I know, guy. I know that um that him and and what's his name uh Trom was it was Tremblay that was the coach, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah that they had butted heads like pretty consistently, like all season. They like Tremblay just fucking hated him, and you know like. <laughs> It is what it is, I guess. Like, you can't go back and change the past. But I really do believe that they would not have won another cup because that management was clearly just not capable of running the show. They allowed Tremblay to do what he did. He drove Watt out. And basically, like, he ran that or they ran that organization to where it is now. I think it, it was fixed, it was destiny. Yeah, I think they would have Patrick Wall probably would have played there till he was for four more till he was like thirty-four. And then they probably would have realized we can't win with him and he probably would have been gone anyway. I don't think I think the real travesty is how little they got for him. But to say we would have won the cup, I think, is a stretch because that organization under the management it was under at the time, I don't think would have been capable of building another Stanley Cup winning team. Right. Um, I just figured that would be a, a decent question. I don't, I truthfully don't think that they could have gotten it, gotten it done again. Um, I think he would have just wrote out his contract uh, and then wanted to move on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's great. Like the impact he had not only on the game itself, but just through what, you know, that one individual move is definitely impressive. I think it speaks to his level of talent as well. But um I think this is our this is our you know kind of our second episode of the week that we kind of jumped in. And so it's going to be a little shorter today. I know we both have some stuff to get to. Uh unless you had anything else you wanted to add, I think that about you know we just wanted to get you know some content out cuz we're starting our two episodes a week now. So this is the kind of our I know it, things are a little mixed up um because of COVID, the schedule kind of got switched. So we started season one on what will be the secondary episode. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, we have this content piece out for you guys. It's going to be kind of an extra because you've already had our Monday episode. But, yeah, so if you had anything else to add, Corey. 
I got one thing, and I guess this is our last little debate, right? And it's not even debate. You know, they the new retros are now available. I would say if you could afford one right now, we know what team you would get, but who would you get on the back of it other than KK? I wouldn't get KK, get Suzuki. You dog. You dog. I was hoping it would take you a second while I could think of one because I want to fill up to know as well. Okay. Is there any other player you would get not on our team? Regardless not on if you, our team? Regardless if you like I guess it could be based off of if you really like that jersey or you don't give a fuck about the jersey, you just respect that guy as a player. Wow. Um <clears throat> there's a bunch of guys. Top hmm. three. Top three. You're gonna make it even harder for me. Okay, never mind. I'm, I was I thought I was helping you. I mean, like a Gino Malkin. Like I think he's the most underrated player in the NHL for the last decade and a half, or however long he's played. Like I think since he's been on the ice, he's been one of the most underrated players in the game. So I like a I'd like a Malkin jersey. I'd uh. This is a weird one, and if he didn't if he didn't play for Boston, I would get his jersey. But I've always liked Yaro Halak. Okay. Always liked him. Ever since that 2010 playoff run, he's always kind of been my boy. Followed him to St. Louis, followed him, you know, basically until he got to Boston. It's kind of hard to cheer for him now, but I don't know. Yara Halak, he was great in the Islanders. Like, I just, I've always liked him. I think he's been an underappreciated like, goalie. He's been a great starter for a long time. I think he's, if in any other organization, you know, there's a few teams like Tampa, Boston, Montreal. Like he's he's a starter on most teams, and he's provided you know just been great everywhere he's gone. And then the third one, like the I this is total. I don't know, like a fucking Mark Edward Vlasic. Pickles. <laughs> All right. Dude, that Another was, underrated guy, man. I was about Mark to say Edward that was super out, out of left field. He. Team Canada, like it'd be a Team Canada jersey. Like this guy was okay, on okay. the Sochi Olympics, World Championship. Like he, he's just a fucking absolute rock, and he gets overshadowed because of Brent Burns and now Eric Carlson. But Vlasic's one of the best defensive defensemen of his like time. Okay, like, I, I really, I really do like NHL. Pickles. I'm not gonna lie, I think he's a great player. And uh, before Eric Carlson came around, I thought he was. Him and him and Burns were just so solid in the back end. They had that great run 2016. I just that team just had something, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I would get a Boston jersey. I'm not gonna lie, dude, because I really, I know, I really like um David Pasternak, and then maybe that's just from fantasy, because I've gotten him like two out of three years, and I've just grown to love that guy. If you ever wear a Boston jersey, I'm kicking you off the podcast. <laughs> I won't wear it in front of you, I guess. Uh, no, I'll, I'll feel I'll, the presence. I'll wear it oh, when no. I beat y'all's ass on the fucking green. Um, you're, you're, you're really going to happy Gilmore hey, wearing a Boston jersey? <laughs> I fucking hate that film. Um, I don't, I'm trying to go away from superstars, but I would love a Nate, like a Nate McKinnon jersey. 
that their alternate that they have with that dark blue with the the triangle C. I love I that alternate. Sick. That is so nice. I think that's one of the best modern alternates that that is in the league. Um, and I, I maybe even a Landeskog. I'm trying to go away from from top names, but big Avs guy, hey. Hey, I like the abs. I, I, I don't know, dude. Like, just not having a team, it's just it was just so easy as a kid growing up and just liking anybody. But you have your, you know, your favorite team. It's, I guess just the the lack of hockey, whatever I could watch. I started. No, they're like, they're my uh, they're my second team actually. Yeah, I love the abs. I'm not gonna lie. I even it was it was a place I could move just so they're, I could be in a hockey culture. No, they're my West Coast team. That's tight, dude. That's tight. Whenever, like that. whenever Montreal goes out of route for the Avs. That's tight. Let's see. I'm trying to think of a left field one. That's not a big name. <laughs> nope. I don't know. Maybe next episode I'll have one. <laughs> you'll figure it. You'll have more time to think about it. Right. Well, we're right you're now, I'm, just, I'm literally just going through, like, people I've picked up in fantasy. <laughs> you know who I fucking loved? Like, who wasn't a hab? Like, in Arizona, Keith Yandel. Oh yes, absolute beauty! And now I love him even more because I listen to Spit and Chicklets. I saw someone walking in in the quarters yesterday, and he had just decked out all Florida Panthers gear. And you best believe in my shitty ass uh, company owned vehicle Fiesta, and I'm just rolling down the window because it's fucking manual. And I'm just screaming sonk. And this dude's just living. Just made this dude's fucking day. You know? Was he wearing Yandel like year? No, no. He just had a Florida Panthers hat, a Florida Panthers hoodie, and just some pants and some fucking trainers that had like the Florida Panthers colors. But he knew exactly what you were talking about. If this dude didn't know where the fuck a sonk was, like. <laughs> is he really he a Panthers fan? Like he does it every game. He's been doing it for years. I I do like Keith Handel. I would get a Keith Handel fucking Arizona. I'd It'd get be a an Arizona one, one though, because that those jerseys are tight. The burgundy is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'd get the Florida one. I, I like the I like the new Florida logo than the old one. I think there's just too much going on with the old Panther leap. Fair enough. Even though the new one like makes it look like a soccer team, but I think it's just I'm more. Okay with, I am just, okay with that. Yeah, of course you are. I just think it's more of a simplistic look that just has a great finish. Hey, what? There's nothing wrong with the soccer team logo, dude. You know what? I'd love to get my hands on a fucking um. Oh my guy, uh, Hudobin. I'd love to get like a if they came out with with the the nineties. Uh, Dallas jerseys, like the one that they just came out with the reverse retro. If it was the oh, home, Dallas the home really one. shit the bed on the reverse retro jerseys. I said the same, but I saw the full kit. It doesn't look bad. It looks Ugh. definitely a lot better than their fucking Chernobyl jersey. Uh, I think that the OG with the with the green and yellow, straight, you know, right after they they moved from from the North Stars. I think that's their best look. Uh, I'd get a Hudobin like that if 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 he wore it, because now I'm starting to become a snob, and I think it's because of Shane from being like I'm only gonna get a jersey. It's got to be the jersey of their era that they played with them. So, he, I guess he's kind of morphed me into that. Fair enough. 
But anyway, I think that'll wrap. That'll finally wrap things up. <laughs> well, folks, you know, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the, this little teaser, this little taste uh, as we, you know, get back, get the cogs moving again, get back into uh, two episodes a week. I know it's truthfully where both of us want to be, and it's so much easier when hockey's back around. But, you know, uh, we have some cool stuff in store for you guys in season two. Um I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you guys on what Monday. It'll be Monday. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it's All been right. a pleasure guys. We'll see you guys in the right, Take care. You're listening to the hockey podcast network on Twitter at hockey pod net. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>